Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... Frederick and Catherine! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! There was once on a time a man who was called Frederick and a woman called Catherine, who had married each other and lived together as young married folks. One day, Frederick said, I'll now go and plough, Catherine. When I come back... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> what kind of story are you reading with? Comma, Catherine. Oh, see, see, punctuation is important. Semicolon. Yeah. When I come back, there must be some roast meat on the table for hunger and a fresh draught for thirst. Okay, chill out, mate. Just go, Frederick, answered <laughs> Catherine. Just, just go. I'll have all ready for you. Therefore, when dinner time drew near, she got a sausage out of the chimney, put it in the frying pan. <laughs> what's, uh, what's happening? Added some butter to it and set it on the fire. <laughs> Sorry. What's happened so far is a young couple got married. One day, the fellow's like, I'm going ploughing. Make sure there's food for me when I get back. Yeah, buzz off. She gets a sausage out of the chimney, puts some butter on it and sets it on fire. <laughs> what's going on? Well, exactly that. What? That's what's going on. I don't understand. The sausage began to fry and to hiss. Catherine stood beside it and held the handle of the pan and had her own thoughts as she was doing it. Okay. She's just staring off into space. Yeah, as she fries the sausage. Yeah, and obviously you store... Sausages in the chimney. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm glad to hear you're finally, you know, it's becoming normal for you. It's been normalised, this yeah. stuff. This is boring, if anything. I think yeah. that would have given you an aneurysm two, two years ago. <laughs> so she's, fr- she's frying the sausage and just sort of staring into space. Yeah. Then it occurred to her, while the sausage is getting done, you could go into the cellar and draw beer. So she set the frying pan safely on the fire, took a can and went down into the cellar to draw beer. Uh-oh. The beer ran into the can, and Catherine watched it. And then she thought, Oh dear, the dog upstairs is not fastened up. It might get the sausage out of the pan. Well thought of. And in a trice, she was up the cellar steps again, but the dog had the sausage in its mouth already and trailed it away on the ground. No! But Catherine, who was not idle, set out after it and chased it a long way into the field. The dog, however, was swifter than Catherine and did not let the sausage journey easily, but skipped over the furrows with it. Uh, what's gone is gone, said Catherine and turned around. And as she had run till she was weary, she now walked quietly and comfortably and cooled herself. So she's walking back slowly, basically. I think that's what that's trying to say yeah. in a weird way. Yeah, while the, the dog's still running away with the sausage. Yeah, she's given up on the sausage. Yeah, it's gone. And she's walking back slowly. During this time, the beer was still running out of the cask. Oh, for goodness sake. Catherine had not turned the tap. And when the can was full and there was no other place for it, it ran into the cellar and did not stop until the whole cask was empty. As soon as Catherine was on the steps, she saw the mischance. Good gracious, she cried. What shall I do now to stop Frederick knowing it? She thought for a while, and at last she remembered that up in the loft was still standing a sack of the finest wheat flour from the last fair, and she would fetch that down and strew it over the beer. What's the plan here? <laughs> so she, so the, the, the cellar is flooded with beer. Flooded with beer? Yeah. 
for a lot of people, that'd be like, fun time. Let's go beer swimming. But her plan is I'm going to soak it up with the flour. Yeah. Make a big beer cake. Get that finest wheat flour from the last fair. Oh, yeah. And make a big wheat cake. <laughs> On the floor. Brilliant. Yes, okay. said she. Yeah. He who saves a thing when he ought has it afterwards when he needs it. What? And she climbed up to the loft and carried the sack below and threw it straight down on the can of beer, which she knocked over, and Frederick's draught also swam in the cellar. So she's lobbed the yeah. sack of flour and it's hit the the beer glass, whatever. The one bit of good beer that was left. Exactly. Yeah. It's all right, said Catherine. Where the one is, the other ought to be also. Yeah. And she strewed the meal over the whole cellar. When it was done, she was heartily delighted with her work and said, Oh, how clean and wholesome it does look here. At midday, Frederick came home. Oh, no. Now, wife, what have you ready for me? Ah, Freddy, she answered. I was frying a sausage for you, but while I was drawing the beer to drink with it, the dog took it away out of the pan. And while I was running after the dog, all the beer ran out. And while I was drying up the beer with the flour, I knocked over the can as well. But be easy, the cellar is quite dry again. <laughs> said Frederick. Catherine, Catherine, you should not have done that. To let the sausage be carried off and the beer run out of the cask and throw out all our flour too. Indeed, Frederick, I did not know that. You should have told me. (laughs) (laughs) I like this tactic. The man thought, Oh, if my wife is like this, I must look after things more. Now he had got together a good number of talkers, which he changed into gold, and said to Catherine, so talk, that's my money, basically. Okay. And he's, he's changed it for gold. And he said to Catherine, look, these are counters for playing games. I'll put them in a pot and bury them in the stable under the cow's manger. But mind you keep away from them or it'll be the worse for you. Said she. Oh, no, Frederick. I'll certainly stay away. I am lost. Okay. Should we check in? Well, I mean, I think on one level I understand what's just happened, but on another level, what on earth has just happened? It's coming thick and fast. Yeah. It's coming real thick and fast. It's like, oh no, if my wife is doing all this, I need to take care of things. First thing he does is buy a load of gold, bury it in the stable. Why? Well, I think that's just something he had to do anyway. (laughs) It's on his to-do list. (laughs) And And he said to her... Basically, oh, these are for playing games. So he hasn't told her it's money. He's like, look, these are for games, oh so don't touch goodness. them. Does she not know what money is? What? No. Or he thinks she doesn't know. Well, I don't think she does. <laughs> no. <laughs> what is that anyway, story? I don't know. <laughs> Settle in, though. Okay. <laughs> well, when Frederick was gone, some peddlers came into the village who had cheap earthen bowls and pots and asked the young woman if there was nothing she wanted to bargain in exchange for them. Oh, dear people, said Catherine, I have no money and can buy nothing. But if you have any use for yellow counters, I'll buy from you. (laughs) Yellow counters? Why not? But just let us see them. Oh, well, then go into the stable and dig under the cow's manger and you'll find the yellow counters. I'm not allowed to go there. Genius. The rogues went there, dug, and found pure gold. Then they laid hold of it, ran away, and left their pots and bowls behind in the house. Catherine thought she must use her new things, and as she had no lack in the kitchen already without these, she knocked out the bottom of every pot and set them all as ornaments on the fence, which went round about the house. Wait, 
So she's just got all these earthen pots in exchange for letting them have all this gold. And she's gone, she's looked around the kitchen and gone, but I don't need any pots. Yes. Oh, well, I smash the bottoms out and stick them on the fence. Oh, you know, those, those fence ornaments you see yeah. so much. Yeah. Well, let's see what Frederick thinks about this. Oh, he's going to be so happy. When Frederick came and saw the new decorations, he said, Catherine, what have you been doing? I have brought them, Frederick, for the counters which were under the cow's manger. I didn't go there myself. The peddlers had to dig for them themselves. Oh, wife, said Frederick, what have you done? Those were not counters, but pure gold and all our wealth. You should not have done that. Indeed, Frederick, said she. I did not know that. You should have forewarned me. This is on you, Frederick. Catherine stood for a while and thought to herself. Then she said, Listen, Frederick, we will soon get hold of the gold again. We'll run after the thieves. Come then, said Frederick. We will try it, but take with you some butter and cheese that we may have something to eat on the way. Yes, Frederick, I'll take them. They set out. So you see, you see what's happening? I'm just checking in with that. Um, All right. They're both chasing after the people who went off with their gold? Yeah. She said, oh, I didn't know not to do that, yeah, Frederick. you should have told me. But why don't we go and chase the thieves? And he said, yeah, but we need some food. She's got butter and cheese. Brilliant. Exactly. Snack that. Butter and cheese. <laughs> Cheesy butter. And bread. They've got bread. They didn't say that, but oh, they do. How do you know? Well, I've re- I may have read this story before. <laughs> no way. Okay, spoiler alert, they got bread. They set out, and as Frederick was the better walker, Catherine followed behind him. (laughs) Do you know what they say about Frederick? He's excellent at walking. He's such a good walker. It's to my advantage, thought she. When we turn back, I shall be a little way in advance. Nice, genius. (laughs) Then she came to a hill, where there were deep ruts on both sides of the road. There one can see, said Catherine, how they have torn and skinned and galled the poor earth. It will never be whole again as long as it lives. And in her heart's compassion, she took her butter and smeared the ruts right and left, that they might not be so hurt by the wheels. And, as she was thus bending down in her charity, one of the cheeses rolled out of her pocket down the hill. What? She's healed the earth with butter? Yeah, so there's like a hill that's got like basic cart tracks in it. Yeah, like, like deep ruts. ruts yeah. On one on either side of the path, I and guess. And she's spread butter on them as if it were ointment. Yeah, to sort of soothe the earth. Yeah, that's really nice. And now a cheese has rolled down the hill. Well, she's bending over, rubbing the butter on the road. <laughs> yeah. And one of the cheeses popped out of her pocket and has rolled oh, down the hill. Like a little baby bell, it's just down the hill. That's, this is a sad, sad state of affairs. Well, it is, yeah. But Catherine's not sure what to do. She said, oh, I've made my way up here once. I'll not go down again. Another may run and fetch it back. So she took another cheese and rolled it down. But the cheeses did not come back. So she let a third run down, thinking, perhaps they're waiting for company and do not like to walk alone. As all three stayed away, she said, oh, I don't know what that can mean, but it may perhaps be that the third has not found the way and has gone wrong. I'll just send the fourth to call it. But the fourth did no better than the third. Oh, no. Then Catherine was angry. Yeah. And threw down the fifth and sixth as well. And these were her last. She remained standing for some time watching for their coming. But when they still did not come, she said, Oh, you are good folks to send in search of death. You stay a fine long time away. Do you think I'll wait for you any longer? I shall go my way and you may run after me. You have younger legs than I. (laughs) 
I don't have legs. <laughs> I think that's the least of the things she's getting wrong here. <laughs> Catherine went on and found Frederick, who was standing waiting for her because he wanted something to eat. <laughs> oh my goodness. Frederick is really annoying me. <laughs> is he Frederick's annoying? Yeah, I mean, goodness knows what's going on with Catherine. But Frederick standing there because he wants something to eat. I'm going to say, he could have carried some cheese. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Mm. But she's also like, don't get too close to me because I want to have the advantage when we turn around and walk back. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. <laughs> so Frederick's standing there. He's got his arms crossed, tapping his foot. Like, yeah. He's ready. Frederick's ready for dinner. Where's my din-dins? Oh, now just let us have what you've brought with you, said he. She gave him the dry bread. Where have you the butter and the cheeses? Asked the man. Ah, Freddy, said Catherine. I smeared the cart ruts with the butter and the cheeses will come soon. One ran away from me, so I sent the others to call after it. (laughs) Said Frederick. You should not have done that, Catherine. To smear butter on the road and let the cheeses run down the hill? Really, Frederick, you should have told me. Yeah. Then they ate the dry bread together and Frederick said, Catherine, did you make the house safe when you came away? (laughs) No, Frederick, you should have told me to do that before. Then go home again and make the house safe before we go any farther and bring with you something else to eat. I'll wait here for you. Catherine went back and thought, "Mm, Frederick wants something more to eat. He does not like butter and cheese, so I will take with me a handkerchief full of dried pears and a pitcher of vinegar for him. How did she reach the conclusion that he didn't like cheese? <laughs> so I think that's just another, a yet another hilarious misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any idea what's going on? Uh, no, this whole thing is a total mess. Um, <laughs> but did she not Harsh. see the cheese on her way home? That's true. Mm. That's, a, that's a plot hole. Yeah. That's a gaping plot hole a right massive there. Massive plot hole. But the cheese fell down. I mean, that's assuming there is a plot. I don't know if there is. It's just whole, isn't it? I think we've all lost the plot. (laughs) So, yeah, so you see what's happened. So, we're not going to go through it all, I guess, but you kind of know we're up to. And and the last little bit was they're on their way to catch the thieves. Yeah. She's lost the butter and cheese. They're stood together eating dry bread. Bit sad. And Frederick's like, this is no good. Uh, Did you lock the house, by the way? You didn't tell me to. Well, <laughs> go the oven on. Lock the house, make sure it's safe. Also get some food while you're there. So she's back there now and she's grabbed some dry pears and vinegar. Bingo. Okay. Right, we're all, we're all good. We're all good. We're all good for I now. I wouldn't say good, but... <laughs> for now, we're, we're, we're keeping afloat just yeah, about. I think so. Okay, on this sinking ship. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so she's got all that. She's got the vinegar and the dry pears. Then she bolted the upper half of the door fast but unhinged the lower door and took it on her back, believing that when she had placed the door in security, the house must be well taken care of. So, they, so it's, uh, it's a stable door. Stable door, yeah. So top half and a bottom half. She's locked the top half, unscrewed from the hinges the bottom half, put it on her back, thinking, well, I've got it with secure. So secure. So she's heading back off to Frederick, and uh, she took her time on the way and thought... Frederick will rest himself so much the longer. When she had once reached him, she said, Here is the door for you, Frederick, and now you can take care of the house yourself. (laughs) Oh, heavens, said he, what a wise wife I have. 
She takes the underdoor off the hinges that everything may run in and bolts the upper one. It is now too late to go back home again. But since you brought the door here, you shall just carry it farther. I will carry the door, Frederick, but the dried pears and the vinegar jug will be too heavy for me. I'll hang them on the door. It may carry them. And now they went into the forest and sought the rogues, but did not find them. At length, as it grew dark, they climbed into a tree and resolved to spend the night there. Why they climbed into a tree? <laughs> Scarcely, however, had they sat down at the top of it than the rascals came to carry away with them what does not want to go and find things before they are lost. What? <laughs> it's a nice turn of phrase. So, so the robbers, the peddlers from earlier, have yeah. sat directly under the tree. Okay. That Frederick and Catherine are in. Yeah. They sat down under the very tree in which Frederick and Catherine were sitting, lighted a fire, and were about to share their booty. Frederick got down on the other side and collected some stones together. Then he climbed up again with them and wished to throw them at the thieves and kill them. Right, so the thieves are like under their tree. Yeah. Frederick's just popped down on the other side, quiet as a mouse. Yeah. Picked up some stones, climbed back up in the tree, and Wait. he wants to lob them down and kill them. Okay, so he wants to... Get all the way back up the tree before he He's done them. it. So he's up there and he's, he's throwing the stones. Okay. The stones, however, did not hit them. And the knaves cried, It'll soon be morning. The wind is shaking down the fir apples. Fir apples? Don't know. Catherine still had the door on her back. And as it pressed so heavily on her, she thought it was the fault of the dried pears and said, Frederick, I must throw the pears down. <laughs> No, Catherine, not now, he replied. They might betray us. Oh, but Frederick, I must. They weigh me down far too much. Oh, do it then and be hanged. Excuse me? He's saying just, just do it. Be just hanged. do it, Catherine. Then the dried pears rolled down between the branches and the rascals below said, The leaves are falling. A short time afterwards, as the door was still heavy, Catherine said, Ah, Frederick, I must pour out the vinegar. No, Catherine, you mustn't do it. It might betray us. Oh, but Frederick, I must. It weighs me down far too much. Oh, then do it and be hanged. So she emptied out the vinegar and it besprinkled the robbers. Besprinkled? <laughs> That's a great word. They said amongst themselves, Oh, the dew is falling already. That's not how it works. At length, Catherine thought, Can it really be the door which weighs me down so? <laughs> And, ding, 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 ding. and said, Frederick, I must throw the door down. Yeah. No, not now, Catherine. It might reveal us. Oh, but Frederick, I must. <laughs> it weighs me down far too much. Oh, no, Catherine, do hold it fast. Ah, Frederick, I'm letting it fall. <laughs> oh, no. Look at it. Well, look what's happening. Oh, <laughs> oh, let it go then in the devil's name. Then it fell down with a violent clatter, and the rascals below cried, The devil's coming down the tree! <laughs> and they ran away and left everything behind them. Early next morning, when the two came down, they found all their gold again and carried it home. Wow. Whew, job done. They saw those robbers out. They certainly did. In a very tortured way. When they were once more at home, Frederick said, and now, Catherine, you too must be industrious and work. Yes, Frederick, I'll soon do that. I'll go into the field and cut corn. When Catherine got into the field, she said to herself, Shall I eat before I cut, or shall I sleep before I cut? 
Oh, I'll eat first. Then Catherine ate, and eating made her sleepy. And she began to cut, and half in a dream cut all her clothes to pieces, her apron, her gown, and her shift. What? In her sleep? She's, so instead of sleepwalking, she's sleep cutting up her clothes. Yeah, so she was like, shall I eat or sleep before I cut? She's like, oh, well, I'll eat and then I'll cut. So she ate, but eating made her more sleepy. sleepy. So she was, oh, sort of in a sort of daisy dream state. Sliced all her clothes off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I got that right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it perfectly yeah, right, Adam. That's no, what happened. Good question. When Catherine awoke after a long sleep, she was standing there half naked and said to herself, oh, is it I or is it not I? Alas, it is not I. <laughs> no. No. Am I dreaming? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Soon, I think Adam's just checked out of this story. I don't think there's been a story so painful to listen to. That actually hurts. It actually hurts. Welcome to Grim Reading. <laughs> oh, man. Soon, night came. And Catherine, we're still going on, Adam. It's not finishing. It's never going to end. It's a nightmare. <laughs> what crazy things going to happen next? Oh, no. <laughs> Soon night came, and Catherine ran into the village and knocked at her husband's window and cried, Frederick! <laughs> Frederick! What is the matter? I should very much like to know if Catherine is in. Yes, yes replied Frederick. She must be in and asleep, said she. Oh, tis well. Then I am certainly at home already, and ran away. Outside, Catherine... <laughs> Outside, Catherine found some vagabonds who were going to steal. <laughs> Where are you going? To steal. Oh, can I join? Then she went to them and said, I will help you to steal. The rascals thought that she knew of a good place and opportunity, and were glad. What, this half-naked woman? (laughs) But Catherine went in front of the houses and cried, Good folks, have you anything? We want to steal. Brilliant. Genius. The thieves thought to themselves, That is a fine way of doing things, and wished themselves once more rid of Catherine. Then they said to her, Outside the village, the pastor has some turnips in the field. Go there and pull up some turnips for us. Catherine went to the ground and began to pull them up, but was so idle that she didn't gather them together. <laughs> Do you have any idea what's going on? I mean, no. <laughs> so she's, uh, she's turned to a life of crime. She's hanging yeah, out. She's half with naked the vagabonds, with the vagabonds. sick of her after about, probably about 20 minutes. Yeah. And so they're like, go pick some turnips. But she's picking the turnips, but she's so lazy, she can't, she's not gathering the turnips. Exactly. Okay. And they're the pastor's turnips. Right. So she's busy doing that. Yeah. Then a man came by, saw her, and stood still, and thought that it was the devil who was thus rooting amongst the turnips. He ran away into the village to the pastor and said, Oh, Mr. Pastor, the devil is in your turnip field, rooting up turnips. <laughs> oh, heavens, answered the pastor. I have a lame foot and cannot go out and drive him away, said the man. Then I'll carry you on my back. And he carried him out on his back. And when they came to the ground, Catherine arose and stood up to her full height. Ah, the devil, cried the pastor, and both hurried away. And in his great fright, the pastor could run better with his lame foot than the man who had carried him on his back could do with his sound one. The end. 
<gasps> so, wait, what? That a half-naked woman stood up and they went, no, it's the devil. Not, oh, it's a half-naked woman. And they ran away and he was so scared his foot got better. <laughs> it's what just happened. Well, I think it's a sort of cheeky little last-minute dig at the clergy or at the, this at the priesthood. But he was lingering. He was basically. like, "Oh, well, I would go, but my foot hurts. I'll carry yeah. you." So he gets carry. He gets piggybacked all the way there. But when he sees the devil woman, yeah, he's yeah. like, he, suddenly he can run. Yeah, I think that's okay. what that is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big thing. Most obvious thing. Yeah. It's clever, Elsie. It's Clever Elsie! It's Clever Elsie, right? Yes, Adam. That last part of the story was just Clever Elsie. Is it I or is it not I? Yeah. Absolutely. So, Clever Elsie yeah. uh, is a story we had before. Episode 11. Whoa! That's a long time ago. That is in the distant past. Yeah. The very early days of Grim Reading where we really didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> um, yeah, and as you say... This is very similar to Clever Elsie. Yeah. Do you remember Clever Elsie much? Yeah. Doesn't it start off uh, in the basement and she's like, is there something in the ceiling? She's worried it's going to fall down and like chop her head off or something. That's exactly it. So a guy's come around to like woo Clever Elsie, I think. Mm-hmm. And she goes to the cellar, turns on the wine, the wine cask and she sees an axe above it. Yeah. And she thinks, oh, if that axe, if, if we get married... And we have That's a child, it. and the child comes down That's here, it. and that axe falls. The child will be dead, so and she bizarre. starts crying. And uh, and yeah, so again, it's uh, clever. Elsie is about a husband and wife. Essentially, it's how yeah. it ends. And again, the wife knows absolutely nothing, and it ends in the same way. Yeah. Where I think he's called Hans, her husband, in that. Right. She's in the field, and she falls asleep. Yeah. And he throws a fowler's net on her. That's it. And she wakes up and she's all like jingle drangling, like, because it's got bells on it yeah. or something. And because and she, of that, she decides, I'm not me. So, oh, I'm not Elsie. Because uh, Elsie doesn't jingle jangle. So she goes home and she's like, Hans, is Elsie in? And he goes, yeah, yeah, she's in. And he, she's so Elsie says, well, it is not I. Yeah. And she runs off. Exactly the same as here. And it, when, when she went into the field and then fell asleep, uh, that was the point I was like, oh, this is that other story I remember mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. from there on out it is basically the same isn't it apart from the weird bit at the end with the pasta and the, and the yes. lane foot and the turnips <laughs> yeah. but yeah uh, wow well I thought um, the thing with the pasta an interesting interpretation I saw is that you know so it ends with them thinking she's the devil yeah and in a way it said she stood up to her full height yeah and it's almost like that almost sounds like she's revealing herself or something to be the devil. She is revealing herself but because she, she's cut half her clothes. <laughs> in a different way. Yeah. The interpretation I saw was along the lines of if you considered that in ye olden times, people who were insane or mentally ill were thought to have been corrupted or invaded by the devil. Right. And if you think today even you get the idea of speaking in tongues or exorcisms... Yeah. So if you think in those terms, this is really a tragic story about a woman losing her mind. It is really. And then she's so feared that she... Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is... Just it, an interesting interpretation I found. No, that, that is interesting. Because, I mean, that struck me where it says she stands up to her full height. And I was yeah. thinking, well, her full height is just her height. I mean, she's just yeah. a woman. Like, she's not 12 foot tall. I don't know why she was so scary. 
maybe he'd never seen a woman before or like a half naked woman and he got scared. But I see what you're saying. And mm. I mean, I feel like there's a whole bunch of different ways you can interpret the story. Mm. A lot of them like negative. Because <laughs> I mean, it's about a husband and wife. The wife doesn't know anything and the husband's got to be like <gasps> constantly sorting out her mess. Yeah. And it's just a bit... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Not pleasant. It's not pleasant, is it? Mm. And it's particularly worse if the suggestion is that, you know, she's got profound mental health issues. Like, it's like, it's like quite grim, isn't it? And the fact that it's clearly written in a way that's supposed to make you laugh. Like, it's it's a, it's a knockabout comedy, isn't it? It's a little, it's a slapstick. I mean, there wasn't much laughter tonight. Just saying. No. Sheer confusion. Sheer confusion. And actual physical pain. Yeah, you looked in pain. I was, it was I mean, really it, hurt. To if hear anything, that. it was a heroic effort on my part to get through it. <laughs> yeah. When I was looking in your eyes, seeing... I wasn't giving you much positive feedback. Yeah. No, <laughs> your soulless eyes. <laughs> Just no, there was not much positive reinforcement there. Oh boy! Look, I come here to please. Yeah, to give you a lovely grim story. <laughs> it doesn't always work though. <laughs> Frederick and Catherine. Yeah, but it is meant to be funny. You're right. It's yeah. a it's a comedic story, isn't it? It's absolutely nuts, this what, story. What was your favourite little uh, motif in there? Favourite scrape. Favourite scrape? Um, good question. I quite enjoyed uh, her throwing all of the cheese down there. That was a good one. <laughs> that was quite yeah, good. Yeah, that was a good one. That is pretty good. I, it just makes me think of something. I didn't know if you were going to bring it up. But there is an event, an annual event somewhere in Gloucestershire, I think. Where they do the annual cheese rolling. There is, yeah. I wasn't going to bring it up. Oh, were you not yeah, bring the, it up? Gloucest- the Gloucestershire cheese roll event. I yeah. don't remember what the exact name of it. But it's something like that. Yeah, that's quite as famous, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Do you want to explain that? I don't. I think it's quite <laughs> dangerous. It's a very old tradition. And basically, they get big wheels of cheese and roll them down a hill and run after them, I think. Yeah, it's a super steep hill. Yeah. And people just chuck themselves people hurt, down the hurt hill. themselves. Oh, no, no, there's one wheel of cheese, isn't it? And everyone's chasing that one wheel of cheese. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, maybe that, that's where it comes from. <laughs> it comes from, uh, what's her name? Catherine rolling the cheese down the hill after each other. And Frederick going, no! <laughs> the thing is, though, because it obviously starts bad when <laughs> Just Frederick's bad. like, I'm going out plowing, make sure you've got some, like, a meal for me prepared. And you th- think instantly, I don't like this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Catherine just spends the rest of the story going absolutely mental. (laughs) And so, on the one hand, she is ruining everything and acting in a bizarre way. On the other hand, you've got Frederick, who I don't like. Yeah, it's true. It's just a strange experience, the whole story. It was never going to go well for you, was it? No. No. And then it culminates in uh, the the, the clever Elsie-esque, is it I or is it not I? Yeah. Which I seem to remember we were discussing in Clever Elsie. Was it some incredibly deep philosophical... Existential sort of... Exploration? Yeah. Or is it just insane? Is it just a woman going mad? Yeah. I don't think we got to the bottom of it. I don't think we did, yeah. I I don't think we will tonight. But uh, I think I'm starting to lean towards it's just kind of silly. I think so. Because I'm not sure what condition it would have to be for, like, 
it's, okay, so you had what you had, whatever this is, and I yeah. looked at you and said, "By the way, you're not Matt. Matt's upstairs, and you just take that face value and you believe it." Like, what? How does that actually happen? Adam, is Matt here? <laughs> yeah, no, he's upstairs. <laughs> okay, then it is not I. <laughs> it's it's kind of insane, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I quite actually, I I quite like that motif just because it's so aggressively ridiculous yeah it's challenging you to be like are you really going to go along with this yeah you know and that's why i suppose in both the stories it's the last part of the story although not quite here but it's the part that it's got it's the part that finally splits up the couple yeah yeah <laughs> she leaves like i've had enough um that's true did he did he not know what she was like before they were married or well that's what i was wondering yeah, yeah. It's, it, it implies not because he suddenly says, "Like, ah, oh, well, I, I gotta take uh, pains to, you know, stop anything yeah. bad happening or something. Keep everything in order. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he didn't know. He's just found out. Yeah. So that um, is it. I is it not? I think that mm. is, it's his own ATU type. Oh, ATU type one three eight three. A woman does not know herself. Oh, interesting. So the ATU types are." Definitions of little uh, narrative chunks, little story motifs, they're called. And you can find lots of them within a story. So this story has loads of them, as you can tell. Little sort of narrative episodes. Tropes. Tropes. Scrapes. Scrapes. <laughs> and, and you can classify all kinds of uh, folklore and fairy tales from around the world into these types and see common sort of stories or, or absolutely um related stories so so this so this atu type presumably has clever elsie in it absolutely yeah, yeah. Or, or you know clever elsie has this atu type as part of it yeah uh, yeah and clever elsie is again a story about a woman who basically knows absolutely nothing yeah but like in a weird way <laughs> now in this case it's further highlighted by the character's name so, in German, Adam, this story is called Der Frieder und das Katalysien. Der Frieder und der Katalysien. Der Frieder und das Katalysien. Quite different. Katalysien. Katalysien. It is quite different, indeed. Well, thank you, Lisa Marie, for uh, sending us that German pronunciation. Uh, now, Lisa Marie also helped me on the name here because Katalysien is not a real German name. Oh. Now, it appears to be, uh, and Lisa Marie has confirmed this, that it's a splicing together of the names Catherine and Elizabeth. Oh. And also, uh, Friedere, so it's uh, Das Friedere und das Kasselisien, is a short form of uh, Friedrich. Okay. Or Frederick in English. And consequently, some English translations call this story Freddie and Katie Lizzie. <laughs> Freddie and Katie Lizzie which is a much better name Katie Lizzie than Frederick and Catherine yeah definitely I love that it doesn't when you anglicise it to, to what was it Catalysian Catalysian I think to Cat go to Katie Lizzie Katie Lizzie doesn't quite work does <laughs> well I'm not sure it works in German either so it, yeah in German it's basically further serves to highlight that this is a story about a woman not knowing herself. Yeah. She's got two names, two sides, this sort of undefined identity. Yeah. Or ill-defined identity. 
Yeah, which is an interesting aspect of the story. Yeah. This was our second story of the series, which of course means, Adam, that Frederick and Catherine came second in our Series 5 story poll. Yep. How do you think people are feeling about that? Well, yeah, this is what I want to talk about. So (laughs) um, we ran a story poll over the summer Mm -hmm. uh, to determine the order in which we read the stories in Series 5. Frederick and Catherine came in second with... 27% 27% of the vote. Do you have to hand what um, the Valiant Little Taylor got? It was th- yeah. 30 something percent, wasn't it? Valiant Little Taylor got 39%. Mm. And Frederick and Catherine, 27 And in third place was 16%. Yeah. Craziness. So that's a pretty decisive second place. It is. And now I'm wondering, Adam. So mm. uh, last spring, when we announced the story poll, and we announced the names of the stories. I said, when you read out the list of story titles, yeah. I said, well, one of those I've always thought is the most dull sounding of any story in the entire collection. And that was Frederick and Catherine, mm. Freddie and Katie Lizzie. Yeah, Katie Lizzie. And so, you know, having said that, it then came in second in yeah. the poll. So, you know, I can only assume our patrons are, are trolling me. Or, you know, <laughs> playing with me. Yeah. Now, I mean, the joke's on them, though, if that was the case. Because we've all had a terrible evening. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's been, a, like, a weirdly stressful one, hasn't it? Well, maybe it's punishment, because I had teased that the Valiant Little Tailor might contain thumbling. Yeah. So, therefore, it, well, seemingly, therefore, it won. And then we discovered it didn't contain thumbling. So, maybe yeah. this is my punishment. Yeah. What I serves mean, you right? Well, we're calling this story a punishment, but, you know, maybe people have enjoyed it. Maybe you enjoyed it. We haven't got to the score yet. No. I, well, it's a complicated set of feelings I have for this story. <laughs> I don't really know what to think because it was painful to listen to, but it wasn't a terrible story. Oh. In a way, it, it okay. was like lots happened in it, mm-hmm. but it was formulaic in the way that it was, okay... Uh, mm-hmm. Catherine's doing something ridiculous again. <laughs> she goes. Oh, again. she's doing something else ridiculous. Okay, but uh, but you're on the edge of your seat. I mean, no, I wasn't really. No, you weren't, were you? No. I wasn't on the edge of my seat. But equally, I wasn't that comfortable in my seat either. <laughs> well, let's let you ruminate on that. Okay. And process that. Yeah. Uh, but we still got a little way to go, Adam. Okay. So before we get to the scores, mm-hmm. I want to talk idiocy in fairy tales okay now it struck me when i was thinking about this story how prevalent idiocy is in fairy tales okay yeah we even talked about it in the last episode yeah i don't know if it would have made the cut but we talked about uh how the trickster hero especially in german fairy tales can be really stupid like dumbling like dumbling like hands, like loads of characters we've yeah. had. Or, you know, they at least appear stupid. That's obviously a different kettle of fish from this one in Clever Elsie. Yeah. Which are about a married couple 
and the like long-suffering husband with a wife who takes things very literally yeah but we do get sort of stupidity in many other places and forms so in the grims already we had an entire trilogy of stories starring dumbling or simpleton yeah uh so he's the youngest of three brothers described as simple who goes on to win the princess's hand that's how those stories play out okay likewise the hands trilogy yeah hands is an absolute moron he doesn't understand <laughs> anything that's true think clever hands yeah very much where he's going to woo gretel and takes everything very literally yeah yeah similar behavior similar like similar relationship with the world around him yes just like for almost following a, a strange form of logic but not really well that's it that's how these stories go isn't it yeah that was episode 64 for anyone interested okay a little while ago that that's a standout one i think that was a good one we did well in that clever episode. hands mm-hmm. yeah that was mm-hmm. good the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was yeah all time grim great it's his lack of understanding which is causing him to advance the fact that he doesn't know what fear is yeah yeah but blithering idiocy is not limited to german storytelling in slavic folklore one of the recurring figures is ivan the fool or simpleton again he's the hero of the stories and he's described as a fool an idiot uh in fact one of his stories i read uh, has uh, your favorite scrape from this one it has ivan uh, sending the cheeses down the hill oh, one after the other excellent uh, across the pond there's a puerto rican folktale character called juan bobo which literally translates to john fool john fool he's known for his big straw hat nice and i believe juan has made his way to the usa and i think is now fairly well known there what juan bobo juan bobo bobo and he's got a giant straw hat juan and his big straw hat how big are we talking pretty big like so big you would think that's just a hat walking along like maybe <laughs> nice <laughs> maybe that's a good image for juan bobo <laughs> closer to home in norwegian uh fairy tales you get Askeladen. i don't know how you pronounce that like that i think that we need a norwegian consultant i think maybe. we do if, if you're norwegian and listening get in touch uh so as Askeladen, okay or the ash lad ash lad in english <laughs> Named thus because he sits poking the fire. <laughs> As in with a poker or just with his finger, just poking it? I'm not sure. Do something. Come on. <laughs> Very much like the Grimm simpleton, Ashlad is the youngest of three older, supposedly cleverer brothers. Yeah. But he gets the princess, defeats the troll, and such like. Yeah. The English counterpart of all these foolish folk heroes is Jack. Of Beanstalk fame. No less. No way. Jack is an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Jack is an idiot. Okay. He's often uh, described as lazy or silly or foolish. Interesting. Is that what's... this? It doesn't relate to Jack the Lad, does it? That's totally unrelated phrase. I I don't know. I think it might be unrelated, but possibly there's a connection. Well, maybe one day we'll find out because... I feel like we're going to get to know Jack in the not-too-distant future. Excellent. We'll uh, we'll be uh, exploring English fairy tales probably by the end of next year. Exciting. So, oh, big tease. Yeah. So, Jack, Juan, Ivan, Ashlad, Hans, Simpleton, 
they're all great examples of what we talked about last time. If, yeah. If it made the episode. Yeah. The trickster fool. Yeah. Which is very different to what you picture when you think of a hero. At least for me, right? It, in our media and like modern storytelling, I feel like yeah. the hero is usually incredibly smart. Yeah. Unless you're watching Mr. Bean or something like <laughs> that. Unless you're watching Mr. Bean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that's a closer sort of cultural maybe. thread <laughs> from Frederick and Catherine to Mr. Bean. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that, these, are, these are slightly different, I suppose, to Frederick and Catherine. But, you know, as I was saying, like, idiocy is found in lots of forms in these folk tales <laughs> yeah. and sort of weirdly bubbling up from the folk, certainly in, the, in 19th century Europe at the very least. This is the sort of, these are the stories we get. These are the heroes we get. Yeah. And Frederick and Catherine does belong to a stranger co- tradition of the like comic folk tale with a character who knows absolutely nothing for comic yeah. effect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. time adam for the scores interesting so this is the part of the podcast where matt and i give a score out of 10 each uh for the story we've just heard and i don't know what i'm thinking for this one you said earlier you like the cheese rolling down the hill yeah that was good fun yeah that was good fun it's funny isn't it like because this is as you say one that's clearly meant to be funny Mm. And I think sometimes the funny ones work and sometimes they don't. And like, this is an example of one that doesn't exactly work. Whereas Clever Gretel. Yeah. Fantastic. That's Mm -hmm. a funny one. And it's great. And we're on her side. And she's getting one up on her, um, I don't know, employer. employer. It's just great. Uh, Whereas this feels, in a way, a bit meaner. And it's just so wacky. I don't know. I love a mad one and lots of mad things. You love a mad one? I love a mad one. That's your old catchphrase. She's taking off a door and strapping it to her back. She's chucking cheese down the hill to get the other cheese back. She is uh, making a big beer cake in the the basement. She's decorating the fence with uh, pots and pans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, She is... She's dropping vinegar on some robbers. Yep. She's been up to a lot with this She's rubbing ruts with butter. Butter to mend the earth. Yeah. I mean, if that's not mad. That is mad, isn't it? It's a relentless story, I think. And it yeah. wore me down a bit. <laughs> and I think if it was half the length, I wouldn't feel as quite as jaded as I do now. Jesus. <laughs> jaded a bit. It's a bit strong. Um, Ground you down. I'm about ready for bed, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's a good bedtime story. <laughs> is that in his favour? I'm trying to help it here. I think... Well, I mean, could I help you here maybe with letting you know your score for Clever Elsie? That would certainly help. Would that help? Do you want to... Because maybe you might not want to know that. I don't want to... No, I'd, I'd be keen to know that. Okay, so Clever Elsie, you gave 4.5. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to go that low. I was... Okay. I was toying with like seven maybe seven no that's way too high what for a story that's left you jaded and upset and confused a seven oh man see i had everything calibrated just right last series 
And now this series, I'm all like, I don't know what to do. Seven's a high score. It is a high score, isn't it? And I, well, I mean, unless I've really misread the signals, but I feel like you didn't enjoy that story that we just heard. There were lots of, I don't know what's going on moments in that. I, you know, give it a seven if you want to give it a seven. I don't want to stop you giving a seven. I was just shocked. Yeah. I was just shocked. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I don't know what... Short I'm circuits. Thinking. I think there's a sh- some few short circuits. Yeah. Uh, seven is a bit high. 5.5? That <laughs> okay, yeah, that's user? fine. That's fine. <laughs> oh, I, I was just know. I was saving you from yourself. Yeah, you're right. I would have regretted a seven. 5.5. Yeah. Okay. And to be fair, actually, that's justified because if I focus on the elements of the story I actually don't like, yeah, there's some quite unsavoury elements of the story. Yeah, the what feels like weird kind of sexism and just a strange relationship with this married couple, and and basically a story that invites you to laugh at someone that's stupid or yeah, yeah, has some kind of issue. Yeah, when you put it like that, yeah, giving it a seven is insane. Forget the seven. It's a five point five. Okay, okay. I'm gonna have a little rest. What's your What's your uh, thinking? Well, I'm kind of not so bothered about all that stuff that you just listed okay. there. I'm more bothered about the fact that it just doesn't land. The mm. the each little episode mostly just ended with you saying what? Yeah. And maybe it's a translation thing. They don't quite translate over from that time period from the language. Uh, you know, maybe there's some little linguistic jokes in there that don't translate. Yeah. Maybe dropping vinegar from a door from a tree in <laughs> some sort of <laughs> yeah, alliterative pun yeah. or something. Um, so, so Clever Elsie, you gave 4.5. I gave 3.5. Wow. So we've got 8. I suppose the question here is, they're so similar. Is this one better or worse? With the caveat that Clever Elsie was episode 11 and we really yeah. didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, the exactly. scores were still, yeah. still taking shape. But I think we got that right for Clever Elsie. And I think maybe this is a little better than Clever Elsie, but not much better. Mm. It's For me, it's definitely a sub five story. Okay. Hence my shock at the uh, seven. <laughs> that was the moment of madness. Well, I think that's because that was confirmed to me by your reaction to the story. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I was thinking maybe the same as Clever Elsie, 3.5. Wow. It's got more than Clever Elsie. It's got more little episodes, um, yeah. scrapes. But Clever Elsie had a few good bits as well that weren't in this. Yeah. I'm talking between 3.5 and a 4. Wow. I think I'm going to go 3.5. I'm going to wow. put it with Elsie. I can't choose between them. So I'm going to give them the same score. So a 3.5 and a 5.5. So that is a 9 out of 20. 9 out of 20. Wow. It's a sub 10 story. Which is fair. Isn't it? It's fair. Well, we came in with a bang with the Valiant Little Tailor, and that yeah. has dropped right off a cliff. Yeah, two extremes. It's, exci- it's, it's exciting, though. Yeah. This shows you, okay, you're two episodes into the series, yeah, and you've got the range of what can happen. Yeah. Um, well, it's been fun. It's been a treat. I enjoyed that. I'm a little bit stressed out, a little bit worn out. I think it's time to have a little lie down. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, that's the effect we aim to have. That's <laughs> yeah, what you want after a good story. Well, enjoy your lie down. And I'll see you next time, Adam, for a special episode. <gasps> so we're interrupting our grim schedule because our next episode will be out on 
uh, should be out on the 30th of October. And it's going to be a Halloween special. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. A Baba Yaga special. Oh, that, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay, I can't wait for that. We're going to be hearing a fairy tale featuring Baba Yaga herself. Spooky time. If you don't remember who that is, don't worry. All will be revealed. <laughs> no one's forgetting Baba Yaga in a, in a hurry. They certainly won't be after this Halloween. <laughs> okay, well, I'm excited and a little bit scared. Um, so I'll be seeing you and Baba Yaga by the fire next time. Can't wait. Until then, keep it grim. Keep it grim. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook, at grimreading. You can find us on podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.